This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Xero. As a listener of this podcast, you are probably keen on getting industry insights, staying ahead of leading edge technology, and boosting your network. Well, I have some good news for you. This June at ZeroCon 2019, Xero will bring together hundreds of tech-savvy, future-minded professionals just like yourself from across the Americas and the entire globe. Come join Blake, myself, and this collaborative community in action June 18th and 19th in San Diego. To receive a special discounted ticket to ZeroCon 2019 in San Diego, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.com slash zero. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.com forward slash X-E-R-O-C-O-N. Book your ZeroCon ticket today and we'll see you in San Diego. Welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast. I'm Blake Oliver. And I'm David Leary. Blake, I feel like uh, it's been a while. It has been. I didn't disclose this in the last podcast episode, but I shall disclose it now because I was late in getting the episode out. I was horribly sick over this past weekend. I mean, I don't know what I had. It was the cold. It was, it was a, a flu. Uh, it, I, it was, I had me in bed for like three days straight. So I crawled out of bed, recorded the podcast with you, chugged cold medicine before I did that, and then went straight back to bed and then finally got the podcast episode out. So sorry, everyone, for uh, the delay. Uh, it's nice to have fans who check in on you and get worried. Yes, I, I think we saw a couple of tweets like, where's the podcast? Where's the podcast? But Blake pushed through. We could we could have skipped a week, but I, I actually think that's the death of most podcasts. As soon as you skip a week, you skip two weeks, then the whole thing's dead. Yeah. Um, also, just a other thing that happened this week. Some of you have noticed, uh, we now have a new sponsor. Zero is sponsoring. So yeah. many thanks to the Zero team for supporting the show. We really appreciate that. For those of you who are concerned that the Cloud Accounting Podcast might lose our independent streak, I want to assure you that sponsorships do not, at least in my mind, actually, David and I haven't talked about this, so I don't know what you think, David, but I am not compromising my editorial integrity for a sponsor. It just happens that Zero hasn't really done anything stupid in a long time. That's why we haven't really been talking about Zero. But if they do, you know, sponsorship is not an immunity challenge. We'll, we'll still cover anything that happens with object, objectivity and fairness. That's that's reasonable, right, David? If, if you were to ask any who's managed me in the past, like I, I'm going to speak my mind publicly. You know, sometimes people don't like that, even, you know, even as an employer, right? Right. Like I, I've had managers be like, you need to reel Leary in a little bit. He's out of control. <laughs> so, so I've, I've, I've had, I've tried to maintain, um, like integrity with what comes out of my mouth yeah. as long as I have. So, yeah. So, uh, we're, we're very grateful. Thank you, Zero, for being our sponsor. And just to get this all, all out there, I was one of the first Zero bookkeepers in the United States. So, I have a long relationship with Zero. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of the product, still use Zero for my side bookkeeping business that I maintain. And I was a Zero ambassador. So, I had a contract role with Zero a few years ago, promoting Zero in in the community in a, in a transparent way. Everyone knew I was doing that. And David, what I love about this podcast is that you come from the other side. If you know, if if, if this is a, a two party system, you're over there coming from 19 years into it with all those relationships, and I think it's a good balance. Well, at least I hope it is. We did get a review this week. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's read the review. We have a review. This is Judy McCarthy. She actually has a product called Client Hub, and I think she also has her uh, her accounting firm. I think it's called Think Leader Consulting. So uh, five stars. Blake and David deliver the cloud accounting news in a fun, informative, and easy to listen way. As both an accounting professional and an app developer, they help me keep up to date on important news and what's new and trending in the community. Thank you for making the commute more enjoyable. Thanks, Judy. 
What do you want to jump into? Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Dude, there's some good news for Intuit that came through. If you want to jump into that. Yeah, let's hear it. What's new with Intuit? Okay. So Intuit is creating 200 to 500 jobs in a quote unquote prosperity hub in downtown Bluefield, West Virginia. So Prosperity Hub, we're talking an office. Where is Bluefield? I, to be honest, do not know. It's in West Virginia. Uh, Brad Smith, the former CEO of Intuit, has a lot of ties to uh, West Virginia. I think Intuit in the past has opened up some sort of customer support center. They're a very small one um, in West Virginia, but it seems like this is going to be some of it of a customer service center, but also um, some innovation team and uh, innovation lab for uh, other entrepreneurship and small businesses in the area as well. Wow. Beyond, so it's, it's a big economic boom for that teeny little town. So it looks like it's at the very southern point or second most southern point of West Virginia. It's a town of 10,000. It's interesting to see into it opening up an office in a place like Bluefield instead of the Bay Area or Seattle or New York or one of these other tech hubs. I think there's been a, a shift away recently from from that. I mean, I remember when Amazon was looking at other hubs, they uh, eventually settled on New York and then abandoned it and have decided now they're just going to spread their workforce out over the country. Maybe this is the beginning of a trend. Yeah, I mean, and it's all made possible because of cloud, right? Yeah. Like you can work now. People can really work anywhere, and which really is good for everybody. It's great for the, the employees because you could get a job at that uh, Bluefield office, and I'm sure, oh God, if I looked up home prices right now in Bluefield, I would probably want to shoot myself, given what real estate costs here in Los Angeles. <laughs> But yeah, you can have a much higher quality of, of life um, in a small town. And this is beyond just taking jobs there. They're working with the uh, public schools and colleges. They're starting a junior achievement program. They're, they're, they're really, they're, it's really uh, in a way, you can almost see this as an experiment, right? Like not many big companies are going to teeny, teeny towns like this and really trying to help the whole thing. That's great. The whole community. So speaking of you know benefits for employees of of locating offices in smaller towns affordability being a benefit let's talk about other benefits what are employees looking for these days because i know for our listeners who run firms or who run accounting teams they're always trying to hire trying to figure out what what benefits can i offer to my employees that will keep them or that will track them and retain them and i saw an article in quartz at work qz.com called MetLife Finds Unlimited Paid Time Off is Top Emerging Benefit. This is a stat from the just-released MetLife Employee Benefits Trends Study 2019. It surveyed 2,600 full-time U.S. workers, and the top benefit that employees express interest in is unlimited PTO, meaning your employer doesn't track how many vacation days you have. You simply are allowed to put in for as much PTO as you think you deserve. And then it's up to your manager to determine whether or not you can take it or not. I myself have unlimited PTO here at Flowcast. I am a pretty big fan of it. Of course, one downside is you don't actually accrue anything. So when you leave the company, you don't get to take weeks of pay that uh, you have accumulated uh, with you when you go as a parting gift. But I guess that's also one of the benefits for the employer, right? There's no yeah, more. You, you don't carry a balance. So it's funny. Um, I think uh, there was another headline for the same article, which is uh, study finds top benefit employees want is to work less, <laughs> which I, uh, I thought, oh, that's kind of intuitive, right? It makes sense. 
But yeah, 72% express interest in unlimited paid time off. Uh, following that, uh, rewards for healthy behavior, phased retirement, paid sabbaticals, and uh, on-site free and subsidized services. Those were the top five. I also found a related stat in another survey. David, you'll recall that in a previous episode, maybe it was two episodes ago, I brought you a survey called the 2018 Anytime Anywhere Work Survey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, survey of CPA firms. And they happen to have a stat in there about unlimited PTO. And I thought it would be interesting to compare that to the fact that most employees want PTO. Well, how many, how many firms are actually offering it? Uh, and so this is a chart broken down by uh, the size of the firm. Very, very different results. So in firms with one to 10 CPAs, small firms, 21% of those firms offer unlimited PTO, only 21%. Of uh, the next size up, 11 to 20 CPAs, that is just 5% of firms offering unlimited PTO. For firms that are 21 to 74 CPAs, those are considered large firms, just 21% again. Now, here's where it really changes. In firms with 75 or more CPAs, considered major firms by the definition in this study, 53% of them, over half, offer unlimited PTO. Isn't that strange? So like medium, small and medium firms are anywhere from 5 to 21%, right, offering unlimited PTO. But then you get to the major firms and over half are offering it. I... Can you explain that, David? Do you have like, I, any idea why I, that might be? So the on the low end, right? The solo to 10, right? Yeah. I'm thinking, okay, there's smaller firms. They're trying to be innovative. They're trying to do different things. They need to differentiate, right? They want to hire people. They're offering that. Like I buy that number. The major firms, like it just seems super high, this data, 53%. Yeah, 53%. Or this graph is just goofy. The, the only reasoning, the only thing I can come up with is that the larger the firm, the more likely they are to have the staffing resources to enable people to take unlimited PTO, to have that policy in place. Now, remember, unlimited PTO doesn't mean that people are actually taking more time off. In fact, studies show that when people have unlimited PTO, they actually tend to take less time. So like you just can't leave this week and hey, I'll be back on the 16th may, of April and 17th of April. I don't know. Maybe the, the smaller firms are not offering unlimited PTO because they're worried that they will run into staffing issues. All right. So what I need everybody to do is tweet, right? If you have if if you're an account or bookkeeper and you have unlimited pay time off, tweet that you have unlimited pay time off and then just say how big your firm is about how, approximately how big. And cause, well, maybe you should do a Twitter survey, David. I, I know they have that feature now. I just don't know if I have enough major firm people following me directly, but I mean, we could try it and see what happens. Maybe we'll get a little action. So I could build this. All right, I'm going to take an action note here to David to build a survey. So let's see, what is next? Uh, you, you had a story about taxi companies, David, and that intrigued me because I used the analogy of Uber and how Uber is disrupting taxi companies in our discussion of QuickBooks Live previously. Yeah, because I, I think if you go back to even when we broke the QuickBooks Live story and I made the artwork for it, I put the word Kuberbooks, right? I put the word Uber in there because it feels very obvious that that's coming. And I think I even heard on a podcast, uh, Joe Woodard's 
podcast this week that he mentioned something about like, hey, Intuit could be the the Uber and you, the bookkeepers or provisors or the taxis. And so this analogy has been thrown out a lot lately. So I came across an article this week. It's from something called smartcitiesdive.com. Mm-hmm. Um, the existing taxi companies have had to do some things to stay competitive. Not all of them have died. The market's evolved. I think there's things uh, our listeners could learn from this article. So so basically, we can, we can learn from what the taxi companies have done to evolve in response to Uber. We could take those lessons and apply those to our firms in order to evolve against a competitor like uh, QuickBooks Live. Yeah, and it's not just QuickBooks Live. I think that with AI and bots and new business models, right? Right. Everything, there's just a lot of uh, evolution and disruption, and you can do things to combat that. You can't. You don't have to just take it as a firm. Got it. Okay. Well, let's dive in. So, like, what what should I do as a firm? What can I learn as a firm owner from taxi companies? So, one thing they did is they stopped calling them taxis. They took the word taxi off the taxi. So, what do they call them? They painted them black, but they called them yellow cab. <laughs> so that that that's one one picture in oh, here. Okay. So, yellow cab. They just call them yellow cabs. They don't call them taxis anymore. Yep. Got it. So, so they started pulling off the word taxi, right? I okay. think that's one thing that could be uh, you could do. Another thing is they 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 got apps. They weren't being competitive on a technology basis, mm-hmm. right? So they all got apps. They some of, some of these taxi companies even partnered and worked together to get apps. So you can get one app, and you can actually hail all the taxis in the town. So here's an idea: if you are a firm, let's say QuickBooks Live ends up happening, and and now now business owners can get a QuickBooks bookkeeper or a pro advisor inside of QuickBooks. I could see a firm creating their own Google Chrome plugin that allows you to get help on demand from your firm and would then integrate with QuickBooks because it's, you know, it, it's part of Chrome and it can see what you're looking at in QuickBooks. That would be super cool. Yeah, or you're, you're, you can just FaceTime with your clients instantly. So there's lots of things that can be done, right? Uh, one thing is like even, even extreme things that we're not even thinking about, right? They created a button and they could put it at certain locations. So imagine at a bar, mm-hmm. there's just a button, like a, a physical button, like at the bar, you go and you press and then the taxi comes. Oh, yeah, that makes so, a lot of so, sense. So, so they just, I mean, in summary, they just had to step up their game and, and compete. They, they, they kind of didn't have to compete for maybe 60 years. Right. 80 years and now they have to compete. And because of that, it's actually good for them. Yeah. They've had to evolve as well. Well, it's definitely good for consumers. Yeah. Just like QuickBooks Live is going to be great for business owners. Yeah. Like that's cool. I actually see some positive change. Maybe this will force traditional accounting firms to finally modernize or at least traditional bookkeeping services, et cetera. And hopefully, like, there's people start doing experiments beyond. It feels like a lot of people are throwing the word advising out there. Like, advising is going to solve everybody's problems. And so, hopefully, yes, that could, it could not, but there's a lot more choices you have. You just have to be creative and, and figure it out. No, I like these ideas better, like making it a better customer experience. I mean, just continuing this analogy with ride sharing and taxis. People still just want to get from point A to point B. The only thing that Uber has done to change things is make it easier, more convenient, more pleasant. They haven't actually fundamentally changed the service that is being delivered. And that's why I don't agree with people who are saying that that bookkeepers and accountants need to become advisors, because that's fundamentally different than what we do now. It is not what we are trained to do. It is not our skill. And it's not really even what business owners want. Yes. If you ask them, Hey, do you want somebody to advise you on your business and tell you what to do and give you insights? 
of course they'll say yes, everybody wants it. But the question is, are they going to pay for it? And the vast majority of businesses are not willing to pay anything close to what it takes to deliver good advisory services. So there's this huge gap here. And I, I like focusing on being more competitive from a customer experience standpoint. Because you're right. The fundamental job did not change. Yeah. But my experience as a customer, all that weirdness of like you get there, and then he, all of a sudden he doesn't magically take credit cards and you got to somehow pay him cash. And like all that weirdness of a taxi experience kind of got eliminated by Uber and Lyft. And yeah, all the bad stuff, right? Most of the bad stuff. But I'm still sitting in the backseat of a car getting to where I want to go. Yeah, and it's actually, exactly. Businesses still want their bookkeeping to get done. They still want their taxes to get done. Just, you know, services like QuickBooks Live are going to make it much less painful because, oh, I just click a button and make an appointment inside of QuickBooks. Oh, and I can do the screen sharing right there. I've got the video on. Like, it's going to be, I can already picture it. It's going to be great. It's going to be so much better than working with your traditional bookkeeper who, like, doesn't even know how to do video meetings. So th that's the key word here, traditional. Yeah. It's just like you have to stop being traditional and come up, be innovative and come up with uh, new ways of running your business. So I think we've uh, put that cool. article to bed. So we're talking about Intuit. I've got another story about Intuit, David. Okay. And this is about TurboTax. It's tax season. Let's see, it's April 5th as we record. We've got another 10 days of tax season. So this is very relevant. CryptoTrader.tax is now integrating with Intuit TurboTax for easier crypto tax filing. I spotted this on rttnews.com. Cryptocurrency accounting for tax purposes is a huge pain in the butt because the IRS treats cryptocurrency as an asset, not as a currency. And so that means that whenever you buy or sell any cryptocurrency, you have to calculate gains and losses on every single transaction, which can be a nightmare. And so there are a few solutions out there. This is one of them, CryptoTrader.tax, which you plug into your blockchain Bitcoin wallet, and it will view all of your transactions and then calculate those gains and losses for you. And now integrate with TurboTax to automatically populate the IRS form 8949. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, especially if you're, if you're a do-it-yourselfer. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm sure there are plenty of do-it-yourselfers that are sweating over this. CryptoTrader.tax joins Coinbase, which is probably the exchange that people are most familiar with uh, in, in also having TurboTax integration. Coinbase has one. I thought that was a pretty cool uh, uh, use of the cloud accounting ecosystem to streamline tax filing. I think you've got at least one more story here, something about security. So last week, we talked about that great article from Kathy Iconis on her QBO chat blog about creating a virtual bookkeeping company. Mm -hmm. And it kind of had detailed steps of everything you need to do. Check, 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 check. And I think one of those steps talked about security. Well, here's an article that is from, I'm going to blow his name, Ryan Lazanis. And he wrote an article called Cloud Accounting Security, Cloud Accounting Security for Your Firm. And that's on his blog called The Future Firm. Great blog, futurefirm.co. And then when I think about this article, it's kind of similar to the way Kathy's was, where she just covered every little thing you, so you don't forget to do anything. And he, he does the same thing in his article, but it's only about security for your cloud accounting firm. And he touches from storage to hacking to data privacy and even covers like data privacy rules in the EU versus the states and why that's important for you, especially if you're using Kathy's article from last week to create your virtual bookkeeping company, you want to add this one to your stack of articles to work through. So those in the know know that this week is Sweet World or was Sweet World in Las Vegas. That is the 
NetSuite annual user gathering, NetSuite being Oracle's mid-market ERP in the cloud. And there wasn't a lot of new stuff going on at SuiteWorld this week. I wasn't there. I didn't go this year because we did our own little product launch here at Flowcast and I was distracted with that. Uh, but I did catch Steve Brooks's write-up of new feature announcements on Enterprise Times. He does a really nice job of summarizing all of these press releases and uh, actually you know, doing a little bit of analysis too as to what really matters. The new feature I wanted to highlight from SuiteWorld that I thought, thought was interesting is a service called NetSuite Brainyard. Brain and Yard, those two words just stuck together. It is a dedicated business research and benchmarking service that Oracle is launching for NetSuite customers. And over time, I guess it doesn't do it now, it's going to leverage the anonymized data that NetSuite has collected over the last 20 years from its customers and then provide insights to customers based on analysis carried out by NetSuite. And I thought that was really cool because benchmarking is one of the hardest things to do properly for small and mid-sized businesses because it's it's hard to find good data and who's, who is better to do it than the cloud ERPs. And it reminded me that I think at one point, QuickBooks Online had some sort of benchmarking available inside it. And I, I, I swear, I remember seeing this at one point and then it disappeared. And I feel like it just, it, it was one of those things that could have been super useful that just disappeared and went away. And I've always been wondering, like, when is Intuit going to do that? Or or Zero? when is Zero going to, you know, allow us to benchmark our businesses against other similar businesses. Like this feels, I feel like this should be possible. I remember that briefly in QuickBooks online. When you're setting up QuickBooks online, it would, you would tell it what kind of business you are and it would compare and then it would recommend like, based on your business type and your area and your zip code, here's the chart of accounts you should use. And it would use some of that data, but pre present some of this other comparison stuff. Like, hey, the average uh, plumber in your area is charging this much an hour. And I think there were, like, you're right. I think something like that existed. Now I'm using QuickBooks and I haven't seen it. Yeah. So I don't know if it's completely gone, but logically speaking, yes, there's no reason a QuickBooks or Zero can't do this with real data, which really puts a lot of these because there's tons of other companies that are doing it with like abstracted data or sample data, like, and they've been doing it for years or via surveys, right? Right. There's no reason like Intuit or Zero could do this with the real data, but at the same time, like that's some of their bread and butter, and do they want it out there? So so one of the problems in the past has been that everybody has a different chart of accounts. You know, my advertising and promotion account might be very different than what you've got set up. So you can't compare apples to apples. But I feel like this is one of those instances where AI could be super, super useful. You could actually compare the charts of accounts of thousands of thousands of businesses and then come up with some sort of master chart of accounts and and use AI to map all of each individual you know, companies' accounts into that master one. And then and then you could do benchmarking, right? Provide it anonymized. And it just seems like a huge opportunity. I would, as a business owner, if I had the option to have benchmarking data for my business, that would cause me to choose one or the other for sure if that was included and the other one didn't have it. I know that Jeannie Whitehouse, you know, she built her firm. They built a whole practice in the wine industry by offering a proprietary scorecard to their clients. And they could do that because they happen to have dozens of, of wineries in Napa. And then they created a, a method of benchmarking them against each other. Like this is a this is something that people have been doing for a while, ad hoc, but like why don't these 
software companies do it. And it would be a huge differentiator for both the accountants and the, and the businesses. Well, especially if they could do it, maybe they could do that, but only offer access to it to the accountants and bookkeepers so that accountants or bookkeepers could offer that as a value-add service. Yeah. Right? So there, there's plenty of upside to this. Uh, but then again, like, where did it all go? Like, why did they? And I feel like I've even seen like zero press releases or zero presentations at one time talking about like, this is coming, this type of analytics. Yeah, they've talked about it. And in the context of the fact that like, I think it's the majority of businesses in New Zealand are on zero now, something like that, because that's where zero started. So they have access to all of this information about the small business economy there. And there must be some limitations, technical limitations that have prevented them from actually leveraging it. I think it'd be super cool. But that doesn't mean that zero should stop development on the little tiny feature enhancements that I've requested in their community forums. <laughs> I think those, those need to be prioritized. From, from a decade ago, you have a list. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting too, because I mean, fairly or unfairly, we kind of lump like Oracle, NetSuite. Um, I mean, even Intact a little bit is like, hey, these are the big slow guys already. And they beat Intuit and Zero to the punch on something. Cool. Well, hey, um, I got one more here. Okay. This is about the great state of California, where I live. Uh, we were talking, were you and I talking on a, on a recent episode about the high-speed rail fiasco here? I don't know. I'm, I, I don't know like if we every... recorded it or not, but I think we discussed the high-speed rail fiasco. In yeah, California. so in, in California, we love to waste taxpayer money on projects that go nowhere, apparently. And I spotted an article in the uh, Fresno Bee, which is part of the Sacramento Bee, called, uh, well, the title is, California Fiscal Problems Could Hurt States Credit. And fiscal is spelled F-I, money sign, capital C-A-L. That is the name of the computer program, also known as accounting system or ERP system, that California started building in 2005. And David... I know, I, I guess I spoiled this because you already have seen the total. I was going to have you guess how much money California has spent on this program since 2005. Would you ever have guessed that it was $900 million? So basically a billion. Yeah, a billion it's, it's dollars. A billion dollars for a software package. They for for got, accounting software package. They could have got QuickBooks Online Advance for 160 bucks, man, a month. Like, like this is, It is very, very insane. I saw something else really in the billions, right? Well, all these companies that are going public in California, uh-huh. I saw California is depending on these companies like the Lyft, Lyft just went public. California itself is expecting this huge income tax um, because of capital gains and income tax uh, budget surplus because of this. So it, it's it's all very extreme, right? Extreme spending, extreme gambling, like as far as like hoping there's IPOs to get money and income. Well, I haven't even gotten to the good part, David. Okay. So, so we started, we Californians started building our own customized accounting software for the state in 2005. So we're looking at uh, what, like 14 years ago. It has still not rolled out. It was supposed to roll out this year. State controller Betty Yee wrote a letter to the legislature saying that problems with the accounting software mean that we have to stop rolling it out. If we do, it could impact the annual report accuracy, which would then impact California's creditworthiness. It's like the program is so bad, apparently, there are so many problems with it that we can't even guarantee the accuracy of the annual report if we use it for that. If you if you dig into this, you'll find that uh, it's it's even worse than the program simply having taken 14 years to build and not really working. Most of the agencies 
I'm not sure if it's most or all of the agencies that are currently using fiscal are doing double work, meaning that they are using their old system to record transactions and produce financials and whatnot. And they are also doing it in fiscal. Some of these departments uh, have hired extra people just to be able to do that double work, including the office of the controller. It's kind of mind blowing uh, that we couldn't couldn't build software that works for this price. If they started this in 2005, it's probably a desktop system they've been building this whole time. So it's not it's not cloud. So at this point, should they just scratch it and start over? Get Oracle to do it? It, it couldn't possibly be worse. I mean, I know that like SAP and Oracle implementations aren't exactly the most fun, but I think they generally happen in less than 14 years. And, and it's a it's a municipality ultimately, right? It's a big one. California's gigantic. It's the size of a country. For it's bigger than most countries, right? From a right. GDP perspective, et cetera. But like, I can't imagine the use cases are much different than the accounting system I would need for a teeny little town. It appears that you know, like many things, like probably with the high speed rail thing, the problem is lack of lack of proper oversight over the spending. And uh, I bet you there's been just tons of wasted money in development. And if it makes you feel any better, I think I remember reading an article about a payroll situation in Canada. And they've spent millions building a payroll this. system and it's never worked. And it's been a 10-year project as well. Yeah, it's a, here it is, Toronto Star, March 10th. Apparently, this is still a problem. This article, I'm just reading it to you live. I haven't seen this yet. The headline is still stuck on the Phoenix Pay, quote, roller coaster, unquote. These Canadians just want to get off. It's in the Toronto Star. Apparently, this pay system the government has built is just not working and it never will. And uh, people have been like getting paid incorrect amounts or not at all, or not getting the right tax deductions for a long time. It's already cost them a billion dollars. And I think it's like ADP's building the system for them. In the meantime, ADP's taken hundreds and hundreds of millions from them. It's The whole thing seems insane. 70,000 people reported having Phoenix-related pay issues in 2018. And more than 53,000 public sector employees said concerns about Phoenix prevented them from pursuing other job opportunities for fear of destabilizing their pay. I suspect if you didn't pay 70,000 people anything, not 70,000, less than that would complain. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty bad. If 70,000 people have noticed something wrong and complained, that's per, pretty motivational. I think we're wrapping up for the week, right? Is that about it? Yeah, that's kind of a depressing note to end well, on. Well, I think there's something I want to ask you about, because I know that you, you were sick all week and then um, oh, yeah. Flowcast released something and I saw it. It was like something to reconcile bank statements. And I think there was a video, but I never pressed play. So can you just give me like, what's the 30 second lowdown of what it is you guys actually released? Yeah. So this is part of the reason that I was late delivering the last episode. It's I was sick. And then on Tuesday, we had the launch of our first new product line in the history of Flowcast ever since we launched our original product in 2015. For those of you who are not familiar with what Flowcast does, it's where I work. We are closed management software. It's software for accounting teams, all related to the tasks and reconciliations that happen as part of the month and close process, which is a big deal in mid-size organizations. We're talking teams of dozens of accountants trying to keep track of everything that they need to do to wrap up the books, put a nice bow on it, and deliver financial statements. The new product that we released is called Flowcast Matching, and it's our first foray into automation of closed activities. Basically, the short version of the story is if you have a high-volume reconciliation, let's say you've got a bank statement with 
thousands of lines, maybe even potentially hundreds of thousands of lines, right? If you're a big business. To reconcile that, David, can you imagine reconciling a bank account with hundreds of thousands of lines in QuickBooks Online or Zero? I, I think it would actually be less painful in QuickBooks Online <laughs> or Zero. But a company like that, like we talked about before, is usually an ERP system that doesn't have bank feeds. Yeah, so um, they don't have bank feeds, uh, but in, in the bank rec modules are like really slow, right? It, to actually match up, let's say you're doing it in Zero, right? To actually match up and clear every line, you'd be clicking OK forever, right? You'd, just, okay. you'd be like, click, click, click. It would, it, would, it would take you days and days, and which is what it does. Um, most accountants don't have access, though, even to ERP systems that uh, in these businesses that, that have good bank rec modules. So they're doing it in Excel. So what they're doing is they're taking a spreadsheet of transactions from their general ledger, from their bank account and their GL, uh, in their like NetSuite or something. And then they're taking the export from their bank, right, the bank statement, and they are manually sorting and checking off transactions doing the bank rec that way in Excel. It kind of blew my mind when I find, found out this is how most accountants in uh, mid-size, large organizations do their bank recs. What we build at Flowcast is software for that. So you, you take your two Excel sheets, and instead of doing a bunch of pivot tables and stuff to clear transactions, you upload those into Flowcast, into matching. And then we use AI. We are actually using, it's a real application of AI that automatically goes through and applies an algorithm to figure out which transactions should be matched, which ones cleared the bank in the case of a bank statement. And then we we pull out all of those transactions, pull those into a separate tab in our application where you can go review them and make sure that that's okay and pull them out if we did it wrong. Uh, and then whatever's left, let's say you know we've cleared 90% of the transactions, whatever's left, you can then go match in our app and not have to use Excel to do it. It's basically like a super powerful bank rec tool, but it's not limited to bank accounts. You could do it with intercompany accounts. You could do it with a merchant account. Anything that you have to reconcile that's got high volume, you can do it in matching. Super nerdy, super uh, niche, and there's been a lot of interest so far, and we're really excited to show that off. Yeah, I, I think from the screenshot, it reminded me of like code diff tools where for developers, they have millions of lines of code and they need to figure out what's the difference between the code from this developer and the code from this developer. And it looks, it looks like a diff tool is what it looks like. I never even thought of, of that as a, as a comparison. But yeah, it's basically, let's find out what is different between these two data sets because that's essentially what a reconciliation is when you think about it, right? When you're reconciling accounts, you just want to find out what is different in this in this account versus this data set and why and then and then the reconciliation is just explaining the difference which in the case of a bank account is oh we have uncleared transactions here deposits in transit and that's why we have this difference and that's that's what you're doing when you reconcile cool uh, see there's always a problem to be solved so Nice job. If you uh, uh, happen to get excited by all of that, um, go to flowcast.com slash matching, F-L-O-Q-A-S-T dot com slash matching, and you can read all about it. With that, David, if people want to get in touch with us, where's the best place for them to do that online? Uh, the easiest place is uh, on Twitter. You can get a hold of me directly at David Leary. And I am at Blake T. Oliver. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Twitter and the Cloud Accounting Podcast is also on Facebook. So if you just search for Cloud Accounting Podcast on any of your socials, you should be able to find us there. And we started uh, this week, really started tweeting out of those accounts and, and utilizing them a little bit more. By the way, if you are interested in getting the show notes for each episode delivered to you, 
via email automatically whenever we release an episode, go to my website and subscribe to my email list. It's blakeoliver.com. Click the blue subscribe banner at the top. Put in your email address and you will get the show notes emailed the next day after we release an episode. And that way you you can just go uh, scan through your email and, and click on any of the articles that we talked about and uh, read more. So there was an article we were going to talk about and it didn't, we ran out of time today. So I think we should tease it and you only put it in your email feed. Oh, okay. It's awesome. It's amazing video. It has to do with Excel. It, it, it's awesome. So maybe... If you really want to see this video, yeah. Blake will include it in his uh, email. This is this video is what happens when an accountant streams Excel on Twitch. That may not mean anything to you, or it might fascinate you. Uh, find out in the show notes. On that note, I'm out. Have a good one, David. Talk to you next Friday.